I, uh, there we go. I'm, uh, I was asked by some of the men in the church not to mention that it's Pastor Rue's birthday today. <laughs> and, and so I'm not going to. I'm also not going to mention that he's 35 years old. Hey, we all have them. It's coming for you. Another 35, 37 years, you'll look like this. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. May the Lord bless and keep you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Blessings, Mike. We love you. The church loves you, Mike. Right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and I'm not going to mention either that we have a, uh, a Hollywood celebrity here in the congregation this morning. Um, well, I guess I will spill, spill the beans. Uh, people tell me they saw Dennis and uh, Diane on, uh, on uh, was it Channel 4 weather deal there, sitting there, huh? Honking down all those free samples, food. <laughs> Not you, Diane. But. All right. Well, we just had to clear the air about a couple of those things. So, uh, Would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11 this morning? Deuteronomy chapter 11. And I want to talk this morning about keeping God's charge, his statutes, his judgments, his ordinances, and his commands. Always. These were words by Moses as he was uh, ministering and talking to the people as they were going, as they were preparing to go into the promised land that they had worked so hard to do and it had taken so long for them to do as they, as they journeyed in the wilderness for over 40 years because of rebellion in some cases and disobedience. Now we're, uh, you'll see on the bulletin it says uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12. Well, I kind of figured I wasn't going to get all that in unless you wanted to stay till about 3 o'clock this afternoon. So we're going to probably get through about three-quarters of chapter 11. Um, we're going to do a survey. And you know what a survey is. A survey is like uh, when you're going from, uh, coming from New Orleans and you have a layover in Chicago and the uh, captain come on, comes on over the PA system and he says, This is your captain speaking. We are at 30,000 feet. We're going to do... How crazy. We're going to descend to uh, 6,000 feet. We're coming to Chicago very soon in a few minutes. We're going to circle, and as we're circling and waiting for instructions, landing instructions, we hope that you view the city and some of the variable landmarks. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to view a portion of the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to talk a little bit about its author. The uh, Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, were written by Moses. And here we see that Deuteronomy contains a whole bunch of farewell messages from Moses. He's speaking to this new generation of people that are going to go over into the promised land. Those who have survived the 40-year wilderness wandering. Now Moses... Uh, he was 120 years old at this time. Theologians have uh, divided his life into three sections, 43, 40 year sections. The first section, he was in, in Egypt. Secondly, he was out in the 
wilderness, receiving instructions and training from God out in the wilderness. And thirdly, we, uh, the third 40 years, we see him as the leader of Israel, a very important man to God. And uh, Moses does not want the people to forget about God and his statutes as they enter the land. He wants people to remember God's judgments, his commandments, his, his uh, precepts, if you will. And remember that these folks who are going into the promised land had parents that had died off in the wilderness without receiving this promise from God. Why? Because they refused to obey him. Deuteronomy contains valuable, invaluable lessons for us today. It talks about the world, and, and uh, God wants us to remember to walk with him always. Walking with him. The highs and the lows in life. The triumphs and failures in life. The mundane, the little things in life. The run-of-the-mill everyday activities. He wants us to walk with him. And then he wants us to walk with him in things that are out of the ordinary in our lives as well. Now the key word in the book of, of Deuteronomy is uh, uh, the key word uh, I can't remember. Oh, it's remember. <laughs> My wife is going, oh no! He's, he's. The key word in the book of Deuteronomy is remember. You'll see Moses say this a lot. Remember this, remember that, remember this. See, God wants us to remember. He wants us to remember him in the difficult times. Even when we don't see him, even when our prayers seem to be bouncing off the ceiling, God wants us to remember that he's always right there. He wants us to remember that he is encouraging us or he sends people to encourage us. He strengthens us and he motivates us and he changes what needs to be changed in our life. God loves us so much that he does not allow us to be the same. He changes us. You think I'm a rough old cob now? Man, you should have saw me before God got a hold of me. I mean, I'm changed. Praise God. Hallelujah, I'm changed. But I always wasn't this way. And God wants us to remember that he will always bless us every step of the way if we are obedient to him. Wow, what a God we serve. Oh, hallelujah, he remembers us and he loves us always. God wants us to remember every blessing that we receive depends on our remembering what he has done for us. God has done many things for us. And also on our trying to keep his word and his principles regarding life on this earth. And so our love and obedience for God will always be rewarded. If you've turned to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 1 through 7, in the, beginning, in the first verse says, Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his commandments, I mean his judgments, and his commandments always. Well, has that changed today? It hasn't. We need to keep his statutes. We need to keep his commandments. In, uh, in Micah, the, uh, one of the minor prophets, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, talks of three things that God requires of us. He says, what does God require of thee? But to do justice to love kindness, and to walk with him always. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk with him always. Let me hear you say that. To do justice, to do love kindness, to walk humbly with God. That's what he requires of us. But you know, there's many things, other things that he requires of us, requires of us as well. And in Deuteronomy, the first verse, it tells of a fourth requirement. He says, love and obey God. And so we can add that to those lists of three that Micah talks about. Remember what you have experienced. Love and obey God. 
Learn from your past, and this will help you to love and obey God. How many of us learn from the past? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. And then God has to give us a refresher course. I, uh, I was called to, I got saved, and I was called a year later to, to preach, and I felt like being uh, called to preach is a call to prepare. And so I went to Bible school. I was... Uh, I think 18 years out of high school. Never opened a book for 18 years after high school. Never uh, hardly read a newspaper, and so on and so forth. And and so I'm saying all this to say that, that I'm saying all that to say this is learning from books was not one of my best uh, situations. It took me a while to get back in the old grind, but I did learn from experience and from what I went through. And that's what God is saying to these people. Learn from your past. Learn from what your parents went through. Learn from what you, you've heard from uh, this, this other folks that are going into the promised land. And he exhorted them to remember the power of God. It says, uh, remember the power of God. How God mightily saved them and guided them in the past. God is an awesome God. And then Moses shouted out, It is not your children who experience the discipline and greatness and power of God, verses 2 and 4. It was not your children who experienced the salvation of God from Egypt. It was you. It was, it was you who saw the terrible plagues that fell on Egypt. You remember the lice and the frogs and, and the, the, the death of the firstborn and so on and so forth. It, it was you who saw the power of my power when I parted the Red Sea when Pharaoh's army was pursuing you. And then Moses continues to exhort the people. It was not your children who experienced God's guidance through the wilderness uh, wanderings, nor saw God's final judgment against rebellion. There was a, a, a couple people in the, the Bible who were Israelites and they rebelled against God. You know, remember the sons of Korah and how the earth swallowed them up. But there was also, it says there's an instance in the Bible where the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and Abiram in an earthquake. It swallowed them up, their families, their possessions, their tents, everything that they had. This was Reuben's son. And Verse 7, he says, but remember, it was you who personally experienced the great things that God did. Perhaps this morning you experienced some great things. Maybe it was the birth of your son or your daughter that you saw. Maybe God took you out from a, a, a bondage of being uh, enslaved and, and uh, had a monkey on your back that, uh, that you were fighting for a long time. Um, but you have personally experienced the discipline and chastisement of God. And remember the power. You probably saw his power. You probably witnessed God's majestic and his mighty hand. You probably uh, felt his ar outstretched arm and his awesome power. And then Moses says, remember. Here we have that word again. Remember what you have experienced. Love and obey God, he says, because this is required of all God's children. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you remember all that God has done for you in your life since you got saved? I was thinking about this a couple, three weeks ago. Uh, all the things that God did for Pauline and I when we became Christians. We got saved in a little old farmhouse in, uh, in uh, southern uh, Wisconsin, a Bible study. We both got saved the same night, 1974, I believe it was. 75, he called me to Bible school. But since then, I, I was thinking, and I was remembering what God took me out of. God has saved us from Egypt, all of us. Egypt is a type of the world. It is a, it is a type of sin. And so God has saved us from the world. We can be separated from the world. From all the world's bondages and enslavements and sin and evilness, God has taken us out of that. He saved us from sin and condemnation 
and hell to come. And he guides us through the wilderness wanderings of this world. When you woke up this morning, did you think, hey, God is guiding me through this wilderness in the world this morning? I did because I had been working on this sermon for four days. But sometimes we need to remember that. Because he gives us victories in our lives. And we need to remember that and give him credit. He empowers us to conquer our enemies. Well, who's our enemy here on this earth? It's Satan and his evil cohorts. Uh, This is Satan's uh, domain. He says he'd like to devour us like a roaring lion. And, uh, And God saves us from those that would like to conquer uh, us and see us not serve him. He helps us through trials and temptations. Did you ever think that of the temptations Jesus, the God-man, went through when he was here on this earth? Temptations. He was tempted like we were, and yet he did not sin. He could not sin. And he keeps us out. uh, Satan would like to keep us out of the promised land. Now, if you're not doing anything for God, Satan probably won't attack you as much or as hard. But if you're really serving God, he wants to keep you from telling others about Jesus Christ. God disciplines and chastises us when we need it to keep us from injuring ourselves, from keep us, keeping us from hurting ourselves, from dam- or, or from damaging our testimony. How's your testimony this morning? Uh, I haven't thought about that for a long time, preacher. And, and I have to say, how's my testimony this morning? Well, the bottom line, God has done so much for us that we owe him our total allegiance. And we must therefore remember the past and all the wonderful things that he has done for us. And, the, and, and remembering the part, the past, as Moses is telling these people, and it will encourage us to love and obey him. You see, if we don't remember the past, we can't improve. We can't learn. That's why I'm concerned that they don't teach history in our, church, in our uh, schools anymore. At least most of our schools. Without teaching history, we can't learn from the past. We can't change things. All right. Well, now, verses 8 through 15. He says, be careful to keep all the commandments of God. We've already listed four things that God requires of us. We listed to do justice, to, walk, to love kindness, to walk humbly with God, and to obey and love God. And now we see the fifth thing, the fifth thing that God requires of us. He says, be careful, be very careful to keep all the commandments of God. Scripture is full of things that we should do. John 15, 14, Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you, Jesus said. Acts 5, 29, Then Peter and the other apostle answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. John 14, 21, He that hath my commands and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. I will love him and will manifest myself or show myself to him. And so remember, God is preparing this people to go into the promised land. He knows that he's going to die soon, be with the Lord. And and he, later on, God shows him this promised land from a distance. He takes him up a mountain and shows him this wonderful promised land. But because he struck the rock more than once, God said, you will not go in to the promised land. So Moses is teaching these people so that when he's gone, uh, they will remain obedient. They will not backslide. They will not fall away from God. You see, obedience is an absolute essential in order for us to live full and victorious lives. Above all else, victory was dependent upon obedience. Moses said, if you obey, keep the commandments of God. 
Verse 8, you will be strong enough to conquer the promised land. They had to be strong to conquer the promised land and to keep it. He says, you will go forth as conquerors if you keep these judgments and commandments. Obedience will make you strong. God loves obedience. And assurance of God's very special strength if they were obedient. Now, if you obey and keep the commandments of God, Moses said, you will live a long time in the promised land. You will live a long time. You see, this is conditional. God says, if you do such and such, I will do such and such. The idea here is that the Israelites would continue to possess the promised land and live in it as long as they were faithful and obedient. If they were unfaithful and not obedient, then the nations around them would conquer them and deport them as slaves. We see that happen more than once in the book of Judges. Then he says, if, Moses says, if you keep my commandments of God, the promised land will be blessed and cared for by God and made faithful. This is found in verses 9 through 12. The land was not dry like in Egypt where they came from. It was not dry like in the wilderness where they had been for 40 years. This promised land had beautiful mountains. It had... Uh, rich valleys. It had plenty of rain for their crops, not only for them, but for their, their animals, their pasture lands, uh, so on and so forth. The land will be watched, it said, by God, day by day by the Lord. Whew, isn't that great? The land will be watched over by the Lord every day. I wonder if God is watching over the United States any longer. Think about that. I think we need to turn back to God as a nation. From the beginning of the year to the ending of the year, God will watch over this promised land. And I believe if the United States turns back to God, if we have a revival, if we, if we begin to, to, to serve him more and praise him more and so on and so forth and come out of our shells and say, no, I had enough, I'm not going to take this, I'm going I'm to do something to change America, I think God would change America in a mighty way. Moses declared, obey God. And we need to obey God. Obedience is the condition for receiving God's blessings upon the promised land. If we, we obey the Lord, we will receive the promised land of heaven, you and I, and all of those people that have received Christ as their Lord and Savior. We will go to Beulah land. Our obedience arouses God to bless us, to help us, to pour his blessings out upon us. Do you want to be blessed by God? I don't think I ever ran across a Christian. And some, even non-Christians, they want to be blessed by God. Then we need to be, and includes this preacher here, we need to be obedient to the Lord. Then in the next two verses, 16 and 17, he says here, I'm going to read those. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Verse 17 Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Don't worship idols. Don't worship the gods of your imagina of, of, uh, imaginations like the other nations are doing that are surrounding you. You need to be careful for these surrounding heathen pagan nations who do not worship the mighty God of creation, Jehovah God. And, and uh, you know what? We need to be careful today. There was, there was a danger that Israel might be enticed by these other nations. And the results would be tragic. God said, 
you will perish. You will lose the promised land. I will stop the rain. You will have to leave because there is no more rain for your crops. You'll have to go elsewhere. And you'll go out from the, uh, the promised land. What are the first two commandments in the word of God? They both have to do with false worship and false gods. Deuteronomy 5.7 says, You shall have no other gods before me. And then Deuteronomy 5.8 says, You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Well, you say, preacher, we don't, we don't have idols this, you know, nowadays. Uh, you sure about that? What is an idol? An idol doesn't have to be a little carved stick with uh, precious gems for eyes and so on and so forth. It doesn't have to be like a little Buddha statue. It, an idol is anything that takes your love and your commitment away from God. Hmm. I used to pray for a uh, Corvette when I was 16. That would have been an idol. I mean, that would have taken me away from God so bad. There's many idols today. There's things that we put before God constantly. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a, a new boat or an old boat or a used boat or anything like that. The problem is when it takes you away from God every Sunday morning. That's an idol. And we must heed God's warnings against false worship and against idols and against the uh, gods who um, are imagined. You see, many of these heathen nations didn't know what God was like. They hadn't heard Moses. They hadn't read anything, the, the Pentateuch. They, uh, they just didn't know about God. And so they began to fabricate things in their mind and their... And their uh, their hearts about what God was like. And God says, no, we shouldn't do that. Moses told them, do not have idols and worship imaginary gods. And then verses 18 through 21, it says, keep a strong testimony and witness for the Lord. How do we have and how do we keep a good testimony? Well, first of all, we need to lock God's commandments in our hearts and our mind. And that's why he says, uh, keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandment always. In other words, hide God's word in your heart, okay? And then when we hide God's word in our heart, when we are serious students of the word of God, we can teach our children. We, we have an obligation to generation after generation. We need to teach God's word in our heart. Let, let's read 18 uh, through 21. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Verse 20. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days in the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. <sighs> a lot in that little verse. This sounds like a lot of work for the parents to me. And I suspect that's probably why it's not happening today. It says talk all day long, whatever you do. Tell your children, show them. I got a question for you. Have your children ever saw you on your knees praying? Have your children ever heard you crying out to God? Pauline had grandparents in uh, uh, Laura, uh, Laura, Michigan. And she said she remembered in the summer when she'd visit them how well they could sing together. And one night she was looking for them and she walked by their bedroom and, and there was, the door was cracked open and she said, I heard this beautiful singing. And they were on their knees 
by the bed, singing and praying. And Pauline never forgot that. And I suspect that was some seed that was put in Pauline's heart. So later on, when she heard the gospel message, she would make a response to that. You say, well, my, my teenager won't talk. Uh, I, got a, I got an antidote to that. I heard this a long time ago, and I've tried this with my, uh, with my grandkids because I didn't hear it when my kids were growing up. But it works. You know how to get a teenager to talk? Put them in the car and take them for a ride. And I'm telling you, they'll open up like a ripe watermelon. I mean, they will, they will talk. I mean, you try it. I'm, I'm serious. They will talk, whereas you couldn't pull it out of them with with a team of 20 horses. But they will begin to talk. They will, you know, and, and you can witness to them that way. So we need to keep studying so that we can talk to our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. Educating our kids is an absolute essential. Because the word of God must be passed down from generation to generation. And Moses was worried about this when they entered the promised land. We, we give our kids so much today that they feel entitled. You ever notice that? We have a, an, an entitled younger generation. It's different. I mean, if I have trouble with my, my little $26 phone. It's not a smartphone because I'm not a smart guy. It's actually, I think they call it a dumb phone for a dumb guy. It can't do anything but make an emergency call or whatever. Pauline and I were going to get smartphones. We were going to get the best of the best. The cream of the, of the crop. Well, we got these phones. Opened them up and for three days we tried to figure out what to do with them and my, uh, at that time, I suppose Chase was about 13 or 14. He said, Grandpa, here, I'll, I'll fill this in for you. He filled in all the names and all the birthdays and all this and that and put all this stuff on this smartphone. <laughs> and two days later, I figured out the smartphone is not good for me because I have these snossages you know, these, these bigger hands, they tell me. Uh, and, and these buttons were little on it, and when I'd go to press one of the buttons, I, you know, and I had to take a pen to press the button, I, I didn't want to do that. And so we sent them back. Our kids are smart. But we must teach them God's Word so that God's Word will go from generation to ge generation. It's a different, if it's a different uh, setup now. We're from the old school, and, and maybe you're halfway there, but maybe you understand a little bit more. But I look around the churches today, and I say, where are all the kids? I remember we had church on Sunday night. We had church on Sunday morning. We had church on Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, we'd, we'd, we'd have something. Well, we don't have that anymore. But God, God's word says, and Moses is telling the people to teach your children night and day, all day long, in some way. Point God to them through what happens during the day. And at age 18, if we do that, they might not leave the church. I couldn't wait till I was 18. So then mom and dad wouldn't make me go to church anymore. I could de decide for myself, and I did. And I, I'm sorry to say I laid out of church for about four or five years and thought I was having fun doing it. I was not fortified at home with the Word of God. And so the answer is make your home strong. Make, teach your children. Have a strong testimony for the Lord. Because Christianity is a lifestyle. It's not something we pull out of the drawer on Sunday 
or every other Sunday or maybe once a month. You know the saddest thing that your children will ever ask you? And this is free, it won't cost you anything. Mom, Dad, are we going to church today? Just think about that. That indicates that you, it's, it's not a, an important thing that happens on a regular basis in your home. Mom, Dad, are we going to church today? See, Christianity is a lifestyle. It's not a uh, sporadic event. We're going to close at this point. I'll continue maybe with this next week. We'll see as the, as the uh, Spirit leads. But uh, let's prepare now for communion at this point. I want to explain a little bit about communion, and then we'll celebrate communion. you want to call it communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, breaking of bread, there's many names for it. But it's a memorial instituted by God in honor of Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross for our sin. It's for all believers. We are encouraged to do four things as we celebrate communion. Number one, we look back and remember. There's that word again, remember. Look back and remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Teach your children to remember me. You see, Christ's body was broken for us. His blood was shed on the cross for us. He redeemed us from the slave market of sin. Number two, Look within and repent. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at somebody else. It's not a time to examine others. It's a time for close personal examination and evaluation. And repentance. So number one, look back and remember. Number two, look within and repent. Number three, look ahead and rejoice. Why? Because he's coming again. It's, it's not just a, a supper. It's not just a memorial. Jesus did not remain in the grave. He's not on the cross. He arose from the grave. He's alive. And he says, I'm going to return again someday for my bride, the church. And so in celebrating communion, we proclaim our hope to the world by looking ahead, I mean, uh, by looking ahead and rejoicing. The last thing, he wants us to look around at others. Look around at others, not to be critical. You see, we're a family, we're a church family. And no matter what church you go into, you're part of that family if you're born again believer. But don't look around at others to, to criticize or to judge because we're all one body in Christ. We're sisters and brothers in Christ Jesus. We look around because it demonstrates the unity of the church. Communion demonstrates the unity of the church. I... Uh, came across, I don't know if it's a prayer, and I'd like to just read this to you at this time. I want you to close your eyes, if you would, everyone, and see if this affects you as much as it did me when I first read this. It goes like this. Come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify to your righteousness, but that you sincerely love the Lord. Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciple. Come not because your goodness gives you a right to come, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in need of heaven's mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and want to love him more.
Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Lift up your hearts above your cares and fears. Let the bread and cup be a sign of God's grace to you and a pledge of your love to the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive the love of God and consecrate your life afresh to Christian obedience and service to discover and do the will of God in humble faith. Come because we remember what Christ did for us in Calvary's cross. We promise to teach Christ's love to our children, that they may follow our example of being faithful to Christ forever. Those last two things I added. But that's why we are to come to Christ. Here at Emmanuel, we have open communion. That is, you don't have to be a member here, but you must be born again, as the Apostle Paul said. Be born again. That is, that you repented of your sins and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you and to come into your life and come into your heart. You did a 180. You were serving Satan. And then you turned around, made that commitment to the Lord, and served him forever. You received him as your personal Lord and Savior. Paul says, then you're able to take communion. So I'm going to just ask you to take a little quiet time in your heart and introspect and think about the Lord and just to let him speak to you and him, him speak to you and you speak to him for just a few moments. I ask the people to come down that serve communion. We're going to serve both of the elements, the bread first and then the cup. And uh, we ask that you would hold them and we'll partake of them together. We'll ask the blessing on the bread first. Lord Jesus, we ask you to bless this bread, which is a symbol of your broken body for us. Lord God, you went to the cross for each one, for whoever says, I will, and I do. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for going freely to the cross because of your love and obedience to your Father and your love for, uh, to us. Thank you, Lord. Bless this element of bread. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.
The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The scripture tells us that after they observed the Lord's Supper, they went out singing songs and were merry in their hearts. Where do we go from here? We go out into the world singing songs in our hearts and sharing with the world and being a witness and keeping our testimony and teaching them as we were taught. Now may our Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and grant you peace. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great afternoon.